0: Get Listen,
1: uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the normal Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. It's oh, yeah, the big place sign of time. That's Very a big nice. place. You sold oh, it twenty okay. I'll say, We really I'll should. Trying not to fall in the same old trap I left without a map The same old place I'm going to By smiling in her that same old plan We're doing what I can to make a little different this time the hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on Europe, and I'm cutting it out. Good weather, bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Hello, and welcome to the Normal Cast. I'm Chris Calouse, your host. The last few episodes, I've been saying I had about 16 listeners, but we've gone up quite a bit from there. So I want to thank everybody for coming over and checking it out. Please tell your friends about the Normal Cast on today's show, tonight's show, this morning's show, wherever you are on the space-time continuum. We have Andrew Bishrat from Rock and Ice Magazine. Andrew's also a good friend of mine and a guy I've known for quite a few years. And climbed with a fair bit out at Rifle. I've always enjoyed his writing, and I was pretty psyched when he said he'd come on the show, so look forward to that. What else we got going on over here at the Normal Cast? Um, I haven't really made any big kind of PR push for this thing. I haven't alerted the press, as it were. I've been kind of just trying to get it sorted out, so... Um, That's going to come up here pretty soon. I've got some pretty cool guests lined up uh, for the next few episodes, and hopefully we'll get a little buzz going, as they say, in the industry. In the meantime, if you guys uh, would do me the favor of heading over to iTunes and giving me a review up there, that would be awesome, or come over to the website, anormalcast.com, and giving you some comments on some of this stuff, that would be awesome. And even better, if you email me, chris at anormalcast.com, I will be happy to respond to you, even if you call me a dickhead. Um, a couple of folks have emailed me already about uh, even wanting to know Beta for Indian Creek, the Black Canyon. Haven't heard anything about Rifle yet, but since those are the three places I talk about the most, I've been happy to help those folks out. So anything you want to talk about, I've had a good little correspondence on the website about sponsorship and sponsored athletes that turned out pretty fun. So so go ahead and... Um, Send me whatever you're thinking, and uh, we can talk. Anyway, this is a long one, so I'm going to get right to it. Sit back and enjoy a conversation with Andrew Bisharat.
0: Be able to talk to everyone in our life with headphones on and just hear this or their voices as clearly. <laughs> um,
1: all right. Well, I am uh, sitting here in in Studio A, <laughs> which is the headquarters studio of the Normal Cast with uh, Andrew Bisherat. How's it going, Andrew? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. You've never been here before. No. Um, I rarely have guests. Various personal reasons, but also because it's very hard to have any sort of gathering in here. But I have had barbecues, so. Next summer, I'll, I'll make sure and invite you and the yeah. missus up because uh, it's a uh, you couldn't really see it when you got here, but it's an amazing view of Sopras. Yeah. So it's a nice place to have barbecues, but there's not a lot of room for people in here and all the recording equipment and whatnot, you know. Anyway, I invited uh, Andrew up because he lives here in Carbondale. And as I warned everybody in the beginning, this was mostly going to be about just interviewing my friends. And I count Andrew among my friends. It's and, very
0: nice. Yeah, no, no
1: problem, man. <laughs> the feeling's mutual. How, when did you move here? Because uh, I was I've here been first. About eight years I w- ago. I was here first.
0: Yeah, you were here first. Okay. Yeah. Glad we established right. that. <laughs> you're top dog. Yeah, I'm just a guest, and you're a little shabbin. <laughs> <laughs> the little stabbin' shabbin'? <laughs> stabbin' shabbin'. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, when did you move here? Eight, uh, about eight years ago.
1: Okay, so yeah. it wasn't. I was. I'm been here eleven. Mm-hmm. So right after that, and you did you just start working at Ice? Did you intern there? How'd that go?
0: Yeah, I interned. I guess the story is that I graduated college in 2003, and uh, I spent the next year climbing. I, I was living in New Hampshire after I graduated, and I was living with Freddie Wilkinson. He's a renowned alpinist now, but at the time he was just kind of a dorky <laughs> dude. Right, and we—he's still a dorky dude, he's but still he's a also a renowned alpinist. Yeah. But we had like a little cabin up in New Hampshire and I was doing a lot of trips to and from Yosemite at that time. And I'd always stop in Grand Junction where my best friend from college grew up and he was living at the time after we graduated. And we went up to Aspen one night, we partied with his brother and on the way back down, we stopped in Carbondale because I knew the climbing magazines were here, and I had been in touch with the editors just through email because I, you know, I've sort of always been psyched on writing and writing about climbing, and uh, I wanted to introduce myself. It wasn't the best idea because I was like kind of hungover at the time, but it was. <laughs> it ended up working out, and I went into climbing magazine. I went into Rock and Ice. I, I kind of met everyone, and mm-hmm. in Rock and Ice, I met Matt Sammet, who was the editor at the time. Uh-huh. And, he offered me an internship pretty much on the spot. Oh, right on. Yeah, which was cool. And I was going to go back to Yosemite. And instead of doing that, I stayed here in Carbondale and I worked as an intern for the summer for three months. And then I actually left and went down to Grand Junction where my friend was living and Uh uh, worked at a winery and made wine for for three months through the harvest season. And uh, that was a really cool experience. And then positioned opened up at rock and ice and sam gave me a call and told me to come interview for the job and right on. i've been in there ever since
1: yeah because you're kind of synonymous with that in my mind because i've only known you since you worked there right so what you what is what's your actual title i mean you guys have like um a senior editor senior editor
0: senior editor yeah. there's
1: like associates and there's senior editors yeah yeah, yeah features, if you look at like a really
0: and... big magazine like esquire or something mm-hmm. they have managing editors right. and every every type of editor under the sun so but, does that
1: just I mean, you've been there a while senior
0: um it's i think it's just a formality to kind right. of you know impress people like yourself who nice. don't know I, what I they're talking impressed. about yeah totally <laughs> um you're also the author of let me get this right sport
1: climbing colon probably right yep. sport climbing from top rope
0: to red point technique for climbing success techniques for techniques. climbing there's more than one technique okay. in the book <laughs> <laughs> It's more of a pamphlet,
1: (laughs) uh, sport climbing from top rope to red point techniques for climbing success, which if you turn top rope into two words, the acronym is a palindrome. That's correct. I was told, which you guys will have to just look all those words up.
0: My, uh, one of, one of our interns, uh, sort of when the book came out, he, he put that together for us and. I'm sure he'll go on to do many more great things Yeah, with that kind of brain power.
1: Anyway, it's a book on how to become a better sport climber, a better climber in general. You are also the, the fine purveyor of a site called Evening Sends. That's right. Which is uh, basically kind of a clearinghouse for your writing. Is yep. that Yeah, pretty much. And a pretty blog. Pretty
0: much. A blog, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Everyone needs a website nowadays, you know, so. Mm-hmm. It's super stylish. Thanks.
1: Yeah. I mean besides the writing being good, but yeah. it's a, it's a it's a very uh stylish site like mm-hmm. um I threw mine together in like a couple nights and I definitely aspire to redesigning something that looks more like yours. Yeah, thanks. So. Did you put that together yourself?
0: I did. Yeah. 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 I don't That's know how. Awesome. It was uh, it's amazing like I think 5 years ago you I wouldn't have been able to do that, right. but uh, I use WordPress and there's so many different themes. and. So everything. do I, but yeah. yours
1: looks so much better. Well, you just need... <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that a free theme? It's not free, no. Okay, so yeah. I started looking to premium themes.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of figured I had to go there, but whatever, no one's going to go to my site anyway.
0: Yeah. This is
1: all off iTunes, so mm-hmm. I'm not that concerned about my site. <laughs> hey, go to my site, though, if you're feeling like it. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> and that site is... Oh, <laughs> uh, and normalcats.com. We'll talk about it in the end. You got to plug, dude, I know, all the time. I know, I always I be know. plugging. But let me tell you, that I just did an uh, interview with BJ, who Andrew knows as well. And on that show last time, I begged, like begged, without any honor whatsoever, to get comments. And I got a whole bunch of comments. So you guys have commented. Thank you so much. And And y'all who haven't commented yet, come on. Just <laughs> say hi. Just take a minute. Give me a comment. Don't um, cost nothing? No. And send me an email. Ask the three people who've sent me emails. I do write them back, and they were stoked. Oh, I got an email from a guy in Norway. Wow. Yeah, Norway. Cool. Yeah, intercontinental. Okay, anyway, uh, moving on. So com, check that out. It's really cool. I'll I'll put a link on my website, that, but it'd be a lot easier just to go straight to his. Um, and then over at Rock and Ice, you're sort of infamous, I think. And maybe this is one of the things that would probably sort of make you as much known to the greater – climbing communities anything is your tuesday night bouldering column Mm -hmm. how long you been doing that
0: um let's see i i think that i've been doing that since 2006 or five Uh so it's been six years maybe six
1: years essentially every issue
0: essentially every issue yep right yeah so it's been with a couple guests
1: yeah like yours truly
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, that's been, I guess, my trademark writing piece. And it's been a fun experience. It, it kind of all started because I was heckling my coworkers to come bouldering with me uh-huh. through email. And I would send out mass emails to everyone in the office to come bouldering with me on Tuesday night. It sort of evolved into this these emails evolved into at times just completely inappropriate office <laughs> speak but you know i think that's kind of one of the cool things about rock and ice is that it's pretty informal it's not like a corporate i think some people maybe have this idea that the mag the climbing magazines are these big corporate enterprises and especially rock and ice it's just not it's like a monpa type of shop and Everyone's friends. They watch each other's kids. We go over to each other's houses mm-hmm. for dinner. Yeah, And so it's nice to work in an environment like that where I have the freedom to just basically shame and berate my co-workers into climbing with mm-hmm. me and anyway uh jeff jackson uh the editor of rock and ice he he sort of thought that the emails were good and he wanted to turn them into a column and uh, it was his idea actually to mm-hmm. call the column tuesday night bouldering oh, nice. and and so yeah it, it kind of took off from there
1: no and it's funny because it's if anybody recognizes it they'll know that it's uh, probably caused you a few problems in terms of of your reputation. I, I mean, guess so. I mean Well, I mean you've told me that you've gotten some angry emails I've now gotten and some again. angry emails, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten a,
0: a few death threats every right. now and then. Um but for the most part it's all positive feedback and you well, know.
1: Well, I find it interesting that you said that the guy who essentially hired you at Rock and Ice is is Matt Sammet mm-hmm. Because kind of among satirists and climbing at least modern versions of it, and maybe there is only modern versions of it. I don't know. I mean, there was the downward bound that old, yeah, uh, Warren Harding, Warren Harding thing. He
0: definitely and, started it off. Then um, Rock
1: and Ice used to do Schlock and Vice, the one, yep. once a year issue of all the goofiness. But so it's out there. But um, but you guys come to mind as like I guess I see a lot of him, his writing, and your writing, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that now maybe it makes sense that you guys were working together right off the bat. Yep. Yeah. And, and and I also feel like, you know, he's, he just ended his column over at climbing, but you sort of had kind of run with that mantle a little more than he had, at least in the last few years. Yep. So.
0: Yeah. I think that Matt has definitely taught me. I, I, I used to say he taught me everything I know and it was great to, I worked with him for a year and a half and I count him as a really good friend and he, I think he's just an absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant mm-hmm. writer and because before this job I was a big fan of climbing magazines obviously otherwise I wouldn't be here but and I, I just remember loving his writing and you know just being fed off of his very dark humor mm-hmm. and I think that that we definitely differ in styles I think that his writing is a little bit darker than mine is mm-hmm. and I think that he has I don't know just I think he's a little bit more cynical and yeah. I think that I think he even said to me once that I I sort of Cause he would definitely get a lot of negative feedback, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, as well as mostly positive feedback, but it would bother him a little, a lot more maybe than it would me. And, you know, we have talked about that since, and Mm -hmm. I think he's since admitted that he kind of feels like I handle it a little bit better Mm -hmm. because Matt goes through waves where he'll, he rides a high and he, he writes this amazing stuff and, and then he'll like get some negative feedback and then be in a little bit of a low and and it's a little bit more cyclical mm-hmm. and i think that he has these peaks of brilliance and then uh, lows that follow and then in mine is probably just a little bit more stable, stable. with less less definitely less brilliant Rest, moments a little more mediocre <laughs> a little just more like, mediocre <laughs>
1: no i think it's great but uh <laughs> you know it's interesting that you say that because you think about you know both you guys are or he was and you are currently a very big rifle climber mm-hmm. and a lot of his initial writings. I mean, one of the things he's most famous for is the introduction to the original rifle yeah. guidebook, which I actually need to get a copy of that again, or I'm, I'm sure they're all collector's items, but because I can't actually, quote anything out of there the funniest, other than like, I don't know, something about people swapping semen in the skull cave or something yeah, like that.
0: And yeah. And there, there's one of my favorite lines in that piece. Cause I've read it so many times mm-hmm. is that is the way it ends in the, the ending is so, don't come to Rifle because you're not strong enough to do the routes. And even if you were strong enough to do the routes, there's no parking anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really funny stuff. And um, but it's like people were shocked. People I mean, were shocked in the, in the guidebook, yeah. and it was a it was a great mm-hmm. classic introduction. And the funny thing about that guidebook that uh, I actually have a few copies of it that I've uh, purchased at Neptune Mountaineering in uh-huh. Boulder. Because in the co- in the back of the guidebook is a coupon for half off admission to the Boulder Rock Club, which does no not expiration ex- no expiration date. So, if <laughs> so you, what's you, that worth? Well, how, you buy the copy it? of the book for seven bucks, right. and then you, like you split it with your partner or whatever. Yeah. Then you go to the gym and you you save like fifteen bucks, <laughs> so it pays for itself. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good
1: beta. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that. You know, even the eras that you guys uh, sort of have inhabited speak to what you just said because I mean that was like that's when Rifle gained its reputation for being a place that you know almost like the North Shore of Oahu, like you can't just show up there and expect to have everybody pat you on the back, sure, and yeah, tell you to have a good time and show you around, you know. It yeah. and, and it didn't get as far as as being you know some sort of fistfight scene like you hear about in surfing, but it was an era where where I've uh, I dabble in surfing and it's an era where climbing came as close to that as I've ever heard mm-hmm. of like a locals only, you know, don't come here. We don't want you here kind of a vibe. And that's changed immensely. Mm-hmm. And now you're kind of dealing with an era where, where it's way more open.
0: Well, it's actually interesting. I was just thinking about that today because there's um, there's a lot of issues going on with the Red River Gorge right now mm-hmm. that are really indicative to I think where climbing is headed in the future is it gets more and more popular Uh because the red is the most popular place in the country for climbing and they have the largest user group from your basic Gumby type of person who's straight out of the gym and doesn't really know what they're doing to the top climbers in the world.
1: And international visitors. Yeah. And international
0: visitors. And, and it's just so many people, there's accidents that happen every weekend almost and so they're really figuring out these turf wars you know and on top of all that is are these access issues that we don't have out west when we climb on BLM land for example right. all the all the land there is private or has been designated a, res- a preserve of some sort. and But I, I understand what you're saying with rifle. The caliber of climber who, who goes there is typically a pretty experienced person. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of beginner routes. Right. And it's one of the reasons that we haven't had any accidents to speak of as right. far as I know, in, right. the, in the last decade. Right. And in the red, you know, there's accidents every mm-hmm. weekend. And I think it's coming to a head between the climbers where they're, they're getting like, you know, angsty at each other. About right. It, so,
1: yeah, yeah, I guess, I
0: mean, out in rifle, it's all just fun and yeah, smiles. Everybody and, can get along. It yeah. sounds, yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't climbed in the red, but that's really interesting because I've had all these different tirades about crowds and, and the anti, anti crowd and don't be mad about crowds. And, but, I mean, the truth is, is if somebody shows up at the cliff inexperienced and gets hurt, it is everybody's problem, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you're not, I mean, if you have even the the smallest bone of good Samaritan in you, you're going to help and your day is going to be done or even worse, you're going to see some accident that scars you for a while, you know, if you see sort of blood and guts and people dying and things like that. So I can see an argument that a really good climber would have or at least how they would feel when the three obvious gumbies rock up and and shit starts to go haywire because mm-hmm. you're just, I mean I've been in that position as a guide where I've been with clients and we've moved because yeah. a, a, group, a couple be uh, I we don't, I don't want to be around it yeah. you know and it's not my place to to start a new class for those people right and it's not like if something did happen i wouldn't help but mm-hmm. it's just like it makes me so anxious i want to get the hell away from it for now because i can't concentrate on what i'm supposed to be doing which is taking care of my people yeah so i mean i can see how that that could that could come come about actually
0: you know? one of my columns that i wrote that I, I thought was an interesting column but actually i don't remember getting much feedback on it mm-hmm. it was about it kind of addressed that issue of what do you do when you see someone doing something dumb yeah i remember crag. that one yeah yeah mm-hmm. The first time I experienced that was at the Gunks in New York where I, I grew up. I started climbing there, and I came up to this guy who was rope soloing, in quotation marks. Yeah,
1: there's always quotation marks around the, the phrase rope soloing. Yeah, yeah. He, had a,
0: he had a soloist. <laughs> Even on, when I did it. <laughs> he, he had a soloist on his harness, but it wasn't anchored to anything at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had only been climbing a year or two, and right. I I knew that wasn't right but I wasn't confident enough to say, well, I I, I talked to him, actually. I said, what are you doing? How are you rope soloing? And he's like, oh, I've got this soloist on my harness. (laughs) It's magical device that will keep me safe should I fall. And thinking, well, I don't think that's right, but do I tell him? Yeah. Yeah, And he was 60 feet off the ground. Do I tell him and make him freak out, you know, and then he like messes up even worse or, or what? But yeah, it's definitely an, a conundrum.
1: Yeah. There's two types of rope soloers. There's the really good climbers who are just like so after it that they just burn through all their partners. And they're just, I'm going to go do this mm-hmm. anyway. And then there's the people who, for whatever reason, no one wants to climb with. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're rope soloing. Yeah. That's the group that we put the quotations around yeah, because it's like there's so many different weird ways in which you can attempt to do it. I know, yeah. (laughs) Having taught myself how to do it, I know that I was... I may not have been that guy with the soloist, but I was definitely a guy with like 30 knots in my rope in all these different places at one time. (laughs) What are you going to do? But yeah, anyway, back back to your writing. It's kind of cliche to say or I'm going to ask you a question of kind of that Hunter S. Thompson style of writing. I mean, it's so ubiquitous that maybe it's not even something people talk about, but who are the people who sort of influenced your writing maybe in, in terms of, uh, you said you had a minor in English. Mm -hmm. I mean, are there, are there journalists or people out there? Yeah. You know, I, I
0: I definitely go through phases. You know, one thing I've always done is I find a writer that I really like and I read everything I can by that person. Mm -hmm. It was Kurt Vonnegut in high school. It was Philip Roth in college. I definitely had like a Hunter Thompson phase. Cormac McCarthy. And I like to read as much as I can by that person because I enjoy seeing their progression as a writer and seeing their style Mm -hmm. progress. And I also spend a lot of time just writing words and sentences down, just copying from the book onto Uh a piece of paper. I don't like typing. I like to just write with pen on paper. And I don't know, just something about that speed allows me to process the way the words are, are put together. And so I, I guess I approach reading in this cannibalistic style where I try to absorb, uh-huh. you know, what it is that they're doing. And it takes me months to get through one book because I, I stop, I look up words, I, uh-huh. I write down passages that I like, and I, I try to absorb it. To the point where sometimes I don't know whether the writing that I'm putting out is even originally mine inevitably copycatted in some way when, when I put my words on the paper.
1: Right. But isn't that sort of the nature of, of art? I mean, you're, I am you're building on sh- whatever. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's y- words the idea are words, of originality. used them. Yeah, yeah. The idea of originality is, is mm-hmm. definitely long gone. I mean, unless you're William Shakespeare, there's pretty much no one who's done anything right. after it's him. It's just so. like music
1: just like playing the blues yeah but yeah you know it's and, and you have this way of like taking this this idea in your columns and, and some of the other writing i've seen you do and and just i don't know it's it's like you run it around so many times that there's almost this absurdist quality to it after a while and that's when i'm like well you know because i know that you've told me that people have gotten pissed and sent you letters and that sort of thing and it's just like to me it's so obvious that you're you're joking because you you've escalated it each time it's almost i don't know it's like this monty python-esque thing where you, you've like repeated it so many different times in so many different ways and each time it's like you turn the volume up sometimes and like your insult gets even more ridiculous and,
0: sure there's this you know it's you know, like
1: a, it becomes this like cartoon version of itself and then to me well yeah he's joking this didn't really happen this right. is just a Uh, a far blown caricature of, of the possibilities of the situation with the people and their fricking, I mean, I'm thinking of the one where you had the, all the, the, the pad people with all their giant pads and those, those conversations you were having with people on the trail and stuff like that, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think that one, if you can arrive at some essential truth, even if it's through an exaggeration, then it's worth the exaggeration Mm -hmm. because that's, what you want people to take away is you want them to get to that kernel of truth Mm -hmm. and, and, be able to see it. And I think that exaggeration inevitably is one tool that writers have to use to, to arrive at that. If you just wrote about the way that life exactly unfolded, it wouldn't always be interesting. Sure.
1: Sure. We're sort of in an era of irony. I mean, we have been, I think for a while. Yeah. You know, the Daily Show and all that sort of stuff uh, is, is built entirely well, yeah, on that. It, but... And
0: that was the second thing I was gonna say is that you you say it's a joke, you know, and it's it is all a joke and it's funny, but there Intelli- is <laughs> there is some real like kernels of right. of mm-hmm. truth in there and that's what people latch on to and, and find the most hurtful. Um if it applies to them, you know. And so anytime you get a, some kind of negative feedback it's Almost always about more about the person themselves than it is about what you wrote.
1: Right, you you, you hit their their soft spot. Yeah, which was I. I mean, the truth is, and and obviously, I, I know you as as a, a person who cares about other people, maybe far more than than is is indicated in in some of your sort of more caustic pieces. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you don't just like ah oh, fuck you, and you get some of these emails. I mean, they they affect you. Yeah. And but th- that's just the thing is is that when you write that kind of writing, that in the end was part of your intent. So it's almost like the, the cost of doing business, mm-hmm. and not to elevate what you've written to some sort of you know great art because I don't <laughs> want you walking out here like you still got to fit out the door, you know. But but I mean, whenever you create that kind of satire, there's a courageousness in it, in that you're like okay. I know I am going to I am poking at this little little mini hornet's nest and well, I'm going to have to accept that. Yeah. And but it's also a, an, an art of well how far do I go and do I am I just am I just being a dick and insulting people that that can't get at me because I am dropping this into a magazine and or am I Again, trying to make people think about like the truth behind the situation.
0: Yeah, you know, that's actually interesting because I for a long time I I never even realized I mean I obviously realized that people read rock and ice, but I didn't realize that everyone reads rock and ice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, know what you mean. I would create these these articles more for myself mm-hmm. than I would for anything else and it. It, I found it shocking for a number of years to stumble upon someone holding an issue, and I just wanted to grab it out of their hands and be like, "No, you can't read that. It's mine. <laughs> you weren't supposed to see that. You weren't supposed to see this." It's my personal thought, and and but there's this interesting relationship that I've found between the author and the reader that is very symbiotic in a way. And I won't take cheap shots. I don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't like to just shock. It has to have a purpose. And because if it has a purpose, then people will respond to it. And if they respond to it negatively, it, it becomes this dialogue where it's like, well, I'm just expressing my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes at me with, well, you know, you're an asshole for writing that. Right Then... They're expressing their opinion, and it's interesting to learn how to deal with negative feedback. Because if you just talk to someone, hear what they're saying, and uh, they want to be your best friend, you know, it always works that way. Where you just come back with a kind response Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that you've heard them. Like, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. That's what people want, and it's it's like really sad in a way, you know that. I do this is why I'm a writer. I want people to hear what I have to say. Sure. And so I get that when people want to come back with their their side of the story. Right. And yeah, it's just like what people want like to be heard. That's that's all it comes down to. Yeah. Um, actually, a funny story that I should probably get on this podcast is that before I became a an editor writer for magazines, I definitely spent a lot of time festering on the internet in climbing forums and Uh writing really shocking negative things that i could get a response from and it was it was that type of reaction where i was looking to like provoke and just make myself a presence and Mm -hmm. make myself feel heard which i think is a pretty universal thing that you know, people want. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly. And, yeah.
1: I mean, clearly, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. By, by the, this sort of forum action out there.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I was hired onto rock and ice. I was working with uh Samet for a while. We were bouldering in a little Woody in Carbondale one day. And we sort of came to a realization that we had been internet enemies. <laughs> 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 he was like, you're mandrew <laughs> that was uh, i guess my uh handle right, at the time mandrew <laughs> and i and he was like he was like i'm blah 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 whatever his name was right. i forget now but <laughs> we were Something like oh i hate you dude and, and there was definitely this moment of being like <laughs> like reanalyzing how we actually both but about each other
1: <laughs> i always joke about sort of like i dip my toe into the internet forum thing and and it's easy to make mistakes on there, yeah. you know. And like, you 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 escalate to a point where, yeah, afterwards you're like, "Holy shit, I I did cross the line between being sort of Mister Clever clever turn of a phrase guy into I'm just a dick asshole guy." Yeah. And it's interesting because that's that. Yeah, it's it's almost a lot of the things you just talked about um, in terms of. You're saying like, "Oh, I wrote these articles for myself, and I didn't really understand that that somebody was actually out there reading them and you know I've had a lot of experiences in just in the last couple of years where i I came to that realization that the climbing community is is small, mm-hmm. and you're not just sending this out into this like billion seven billion people in the world mass that's never going to come back i mean it's small and, yeah. and you can be face to face with these people pretty easily that you, sure. you've gotten into it. And, you know, I have a, a friend of, well, actually, Lisa Hathaway has done a couple of shows with me. She had a friend that, a, a woman who got into an internet fist fight on, on Mountain Project. And I've always commented about how it's all dudes on there. It's not totally true, but it's definitely, you know, yeah. 20 to 1, 100 to 1, I don't know. So she like dipped in with a little snarky sort of thing and and everybody just like, slammed her right and and it upset lisa because this was her friend yeah yeah and i agree that those guys got out of out of hand because i went and read the thread and they got real personal and out of hand because that's what you do when you're anonymous and uh but she didn't understand that she just she wasn't just speaking into the darkness that if she's gonna make a snarky comment it's gonna be heard and pretty much you gotta now like realize that like a forum It's like, would you walk into a room of those people and say it out loud to their faces? Because if you wouldn't, then don't put it on there. Yeah. Or if you're not willing to kind of take take the heat. Right. And what she said, she certainly wouldn't have said in a group of of people for whom the issue was important. She wouldn't have just gone in there and announced it to a bunch of strangers. And that's what you're doing on the forums. So it's like you definitely people. I well, mean, I've learned.
0: You, you know, it's it's actually I think only in the last ten years mm-hmm. I, these are issues that of the modern human. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your online persona is something that is changing by the month and by the day. And right. Even at some point, you know, I I kind of like with Facebook. I approached Facebook like it was this little place to be me with my friends but then Mm -hmm. your parents come in and then your cousins come in and then it's it's (laughs) sort of like and then there's strangers who you're friends with and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you can't you know necessarily be yourself Mm -hmm. as much as you you can be who you are in society uh, online and so you kind of abandon the idea the original idea of facebook where you get to interact in this devilish way right um, to something a little bit more refined, maybe. Yeah, or, yeah, and so, and I think that we're all still trying to understand that and come to terms oh, with how that works and absolutely. what the etiquette is. And yeah, I mean, we learned like long ago that you just don't go into someone's house and take a dump and right. in their floor. And you can It's kind <laughs> of the same The internet thing. version of the that, internet right. version of that. What is that? <laughs> right.
1: No, I mean that all that stuff is is definitely getting worked out. And you know, we're relatively hip uh you more than i am
0: it's, i definitely am more hairy than you yeah that's i don't <laughs>
1: zip it This is why we're doing podcast not i don't know video i don't know
0: i don't know how that's gonna, <laughs> how long that's gonna last though <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm
1: always harping on this and you know it's like fucking old, old folks home here but like the internet is so new and it's just like crazy how it fuck when did facebook start it seems like it's been here forever and it's what like three years old yeah. four years old yeah Totally. You know, I I remember Lisa Hathaway talking me into starting a Facebook page. And I'm like, oh, that's stupid. That's blah, stupid. blah, blah. Like... And I'm. So, this is like 2008. Yeah, you know, like three years ago. It's not like this was 1982, and I was like walking around in my fucking I don't know what we were wearing in '82. That was pre Air Jordans. Anyway,
0: the next step is to not record with little soup can microphones. And right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just think it, and it'll go out there, which would be horrible.
1: <laughs> They'd be like, "You sick fuck." Um, so. Tell me about learning how to climb and how that happened. You grew up where, for the uh, most part? I grew
0: up in New York, and I started climbing at the Gunks, mm-hmm. basically in college, but I, I kind of dabbled in it in high school. My girlfriend at the time got me a climbing lesson for my 16th birthday. and Up at the Gunks? Uh, up at the Gunks, cool. yeah. And then we did Horseman. It's a classic five, and that was nice. my first climb. And I became completely in love with it like most people who Mm -hmm. are in this sport yeah and from there i really you know i guess it's interesting because a lot of people know me as a sport climber and that's totally that's my personality and Mm -hmm. i've written a book on how to sport climb and um top
1: rope to red point techniques for climbing success
0: yeah award-winning book nice and uh yeah but before i was um a trad climber i climbed big walls i did alpine routes uh in new zealand when i studied abroad there and i yeah and I, I just wanted to be like this sort of all-around alex Lowe uh-huh wannabe dude and that was my inspiration
1: the more i get to know you and we're we're good friends we don't spend a ton of time together you know we, we end up crossing paths quite a bit but Every time I get a tidbit, I'm just like, that That guy, like, lived my sort of parallel existence. Because <laughs> I, I just found out last night, actually, I was talking to Andrew, and, and you are like, that you went to New Zealand on the yeah, study yeah. abroad program. I did the exact same thing 10 years before you did. Right. And I was exactly the same way. I'm going to be an all-around, like, every everything guy. Yeah. And I'm sure we probably climbed the same routes while we were there. Probably. So, yeah. you know, climbing up glaciers and... Trying not to die in in New Zealand, so yeah, that that's totally cool. So you're you're like going after it. You're, you're climbing Yosemite, and that's when you got sort of waylaid here in Carbondale.
0: Yep, and I I definitely was you know a big like I talked so much shit about sport climbing. It was sort of the mantra of the 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 time and the, the the people i was around <laughs> that's awesome and yeah i mean i lived in i lived in north climbing neither crew i lived yeah. in north conway new right hampshire and and that's like you know <laughs> like ever people are just like henry barber worshipers up there right. and, and that's like how the, the, just the the sort of zeitgeist and uh and i was totally a part of that and i think that you know sport climbing has been a thing that i've felt like has really resonated with me and it's something that at some point in my life i was like you know what i don't give a fuck what other people think about me or what they i mean i i get my weekends to go climbing right. and i want to climb the things that i want to climb mm-hmm. i'm not climbing to, to prove something to sure. someone mm-hmm. um, other than myself but at that said like i still i still do get that itch for adventure. And, you know, for a number of years, I would do like a Black Canyon trip once a year. And just, just to like, even though I f- absolutely hate that place, I know that you're a big fan, but I <laughs> I couldn't imagine a worse climbing I couldn't venue. do this show without the Black Canyon, <laughs> it actually,
1: because I bring it up every single show.
0: <laughs> it's just absolutely the worst climbing area I can imagine. I, and it's not because the climbing's bad. It's because... I just get a scary vibe when I get there, when I go there. I just, it feels like evil to me. Is what it is. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's not a happy place. Right. But um, so you're
1: like, you feel like you need to force yourself to go down. Yeah, there? but
0: I force. It's like you know, you kind of keep make yourself honest, and you mm-hmm. force yourself to go down there and, and do something that's completely not fun, and and then you're like, okay, now I can go back to rifle.
1: You just turn. 30 this summer, and yep. he did 30 roots and rifle on his That's birthday. Right. It, your threat to go to the Black Canyon was just a little. Nod and a wink to your girlfriend that you knew about a surprise party no or were, that, was that real
0: that was for real yeah that was for real i actually had no idea about that surprise party i just assumed you were just like being a bastard like
1: well forget it i'm just gonna go to the black canyon <laughs> knowing
0: that she'd planned this awesome party for you and everything man that was so cool and that was that was the definitely the highlight of my year last year it was a good party so and thank- a good day climbing yeah. dude Thanks to Jen.
1: Yeah. So, but so that was real. You were going to go down there, like on my thirtieth. I better go down there. Yeah. Go do something stupid
0: when you turn thirty, like climbing the Black Canyon. (laughs) I'm really glad that I make sure you're still a man. I didn't do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can still do this. I swear to God. So, can you put into words like what it is about climbing? That I mean, you're you're not just a climber, but it's at this point it's a big part of your career. I mean, you're a writer and obviously you write about things besides climbing, but right now that's what's paying the bills. And I don't know wh- where that's where that's going to be your your complete life goal, but I mean, what it is about climbing that like
0: what I like about climbing is that it's so it has so many parallels to uh, life and it's so complex. It's as complex as life is. It's it's like a a game that we get to play. And there's infinite variation in that game. There's no dead end. And it has issues of life and death of what's right and what's wrong. And it's a situation where you get to test yourself and allow yourself to thrive Mm -hmm. potentially. And so it's like the ultimate microcosm of life itself. And so I just find that fascinating and, and fulfilling and enriching
1: yeah it's interesting you bring up right and wrong because you know at the at the right time and around the right campfire with the right booze i can you know wax sort of philosophical to the unth degree with my english degree as well (laughs) you know about what it is like the archetypal level the mythology the whole thing that that's that's being expressed in this little thing that we do and you know even when we go go to sport climb or go to rifle and you know you bring up life and death and no it's not like in the foreground but Your your body and your mind is telling you that it is even even when you're clip. We all know that Mm -hmm. even when you're above the bolt, you know. And and your rational mind is like, "Hey, dude, everything's fine." There's still that little voice that says, "Every step you get further above that bolt, you know, that's still in there." And we talk about roots at rifle. You need to
0: read my book, man. Well,
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, like we talk about even at rifle that all that roots, you know, that's got that like sketchy clip. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the truth of it is, is it's no big deal, but it feels like it. And, and the right and wrong thing is, I mean, it is this noble thing and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I've just like people just roll their eyes when I talk about that. But, you know, it, failure is not, I mean, it's not like some murky thing. Mm -hmm. Like you fell off, Mm -hmm. done. That's it. There's no, I almost did it. Or, I mean, we all know that we say that stuff, but. It's just such a cool place in the world for me where it, I mean, not right and wrong in terms of, you know, good and evil, but failure, there's no equivocating. Mm -hmm. You fell off. I mean, bouldering, I guess, is the the purest version of that. Like you're standing there on the ground now. You, You failed. And there's so many places where that can be equivocated into, you know, partial success or whatever else. And for me too, that's like so fulfilling to me that I can go out at the end of the day and sort of have this yardstick. This is where I'm at. And there's no lie in it. Right. You know, there's no like maybe. And I, I just think that unless like, unless, unless
0: unless you get older and then you've been climbing at the same place for many years, then you can say, oh, this route's gotten harder because it's more polished <laughs> <laughs> when right. I did it back in the day. Right. It was so much easier. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know. I mean,
1: obviously, we we find our ways around that, but. I don't know. Just, well, what did you mean by that? Like you said, you with you right and wrong, right and wrong. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, I think that there's sense of what's right and wrong with within the natural world. You know, it doesn't feel wrong necessarily to me to have uh, bolted sport climbs, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right to have bolt ladders in the mountains, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really complex issue and a lot of nuances that are hard to grasp Mm -hmm. and so and and it seems as complex as life itself you know there's no right and wrong uh action for any situation Mm -hmm. even murder could be a a righteous action in in a certain situation so you can't uh you know you can't look at bolts for example and say all bolts are equal they're Mm -hmm. all bad or they're all good right there's a lot of variation in there that comes into play and not just with bolts, but with every type of climbing and, and specifically how you establish mm-hmm. roots and how you go about climbing them. And I think that, that takes a lot of experience and, and just worldly travel and knowledge to understand what the right course of action is, mm-hmm. what is respectful to the environment, what's going to yield the greatest experience, the most powerful experience, and what is going to be you know, most fulfilling right. and what's the right thing to do. Heavy, man. Heavy shit. Yeah.
1: No, well, it is. As the author of uh, Sport Climbing, TRTFCS, <laughs> um, give me one thing I can do to fucking be better. I can start doing tomorrow. And don't tell me to get stronger.
0: The premise of my book was that you don't need to train to become a better climber, you just need to know how to approach routes the right way. And so if people were a little bit more efficient in how they approached their routes, Mm -hmm. they'd be able to climb much harder than they do. You look at most people and they don't memorize cruxes. They don't work the route the right way. They don't know how to get to the top Mm -hmm. even. So if I had to give you one piece of advice You see me climb. I've seen you climb. You see me climb. I definitely say <laughs> you've turned away okay, in shame. <laughs> I definitely I would definitely say the first thing you need to do is not wear car hearts. <laughs> oh,
1: I don't wear them out of, I wear them at the gym. I don't wear them out of, in rifle. I've seen
0: I've seen them in rifle. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've well, seen that's them. cuz I rifle. came
1: straight from work.
0: Yep. yep. Were they covered in
1: paint? Probably. Okay. I I I just forgot to pack other pants. All yep. right. Good advice. So I have one other thing I want you to tell me about. We were hanging out last night. What, in your opinion, is the worst possible way to die? <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. And this goes out to you listeners in Gunnison, Colorado.
0: Okay. This is the worst way to die, for sure. There's, uh, what is it called? Blue, blue, blue Lake. Blue Mesa Lake? Blue Blue Mesa Lake or Blue Blue Mesa Reservoir. Blue Blue Mesa Mesa Reservoir. Reservoir. Okay. Blue Mesa Reservoir is... Gunnison River. It's basically sort of like the the, the anus of the Black Canyon. Yes. And um, it's a large reservoir and it freezes over in the winter. And people go out and they ice fish on Blue Mesa Reservoir. And I have heard... This might be an urban legend. It's Even if it's not for real, it's still a horrible way <laughs> it's to a contemplate dying. So okay. go for it. So occasionally after the lake freezes, they'll still drain the reservoir for water. People will walk out onto the ice, fall through the ice up to 100 feet into a cold, watery hell <laughs> where they will sit. In the darkness. Like the complete in the, abyss. In the cold darkness. With a little dot of light. With a little feet dot of Ugh. forbidden light, hundreds of feet overhead. And they'll sit there and think about how miserable their life is while they slowly freeze to death. Ugh. And their buddy can't do anything because he's he's like frozen. They don't have a buddy in this situation. Right. <laughs> There's no buddy. They're just alone thinking that they're going to catch a a trout of some sort <laughs> and then all of a sudden <laughs> and all of a sudden they're 100 feet below the ice in the blackness i would never want to die that way of all the ways that Ugh. i could die i would hate that all right the best way to die <laughs> i decided have you seen that movie where people just randomly start killing themselves because of that so- something that's in the air is it that is it m shamalama ding dong yeah yeah no, i did not see that one it's a hilarious movie and it People sort of like become possessed and they'll do something like walk slowly and like lay under a tractor. I thought the funniest way to kill yourself in that movie would be if you just sit on the couch and then drink your piss three times because you know that. It becomes toxic after the third time, and that would kill you. How do you know that? Because of the internet, you've looked it up. I, I actually, I could be making it up. I know. You're st- I know. The, the I pit- might be exaggerating here. I know that the piss drinkers. I do know you're only supposed to drink it once. You can only drink it once. <laughs> okay. Maybe twice if you're lucky. If you're really hydrated. Yeah. If you're really <laughs> hydrated. But three times, no way. You're out of there.
1: All right, Andrew. Thanks a lot for uh, for coming over. You got um uh, an editorial. Uh, coming out about the, the, the great Cerro uh, Torre controversy I haven't yet to address on the uh, on the podcast but that's because I'm holding out to try to snag a very special guest who will give us first person insights into this but yeah. I don't want to say anything else besides I, I that I look
0: forward to hearing that man if he
1: doesn't get shivved in Vancouver this week <laughs> anyway um, so I'm going to leave it at that but look forward to that uh, the issue comes out in about a week you were sort of Right on top of it, even though it's only going to get published in a week, but yeah, spoke to. I think people are so sick principles. of reading it yeah. right now that it might it's, be a little late. It's all, huh?
0: all the work was all for naught. Yeah,
1: well, hopefully it's a a, a measured look at it because I yeah. think I think we're we're coming into the post fiery diatribe on the internet mm-hmm. era, and maybe for the next few weeks we'll get sort of more of a measured look at it. But uh, anyway, look forward to that, and uh, hopefully you'll come back on the show. I'd love to make you our sort of current events correspondent, dude all you just bring me up here i just couldn't i mean i sit out here in this cabin i don't know what's going on so <laughs> uh and plus you're you're connected with the with the young people yeah you got your 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 thumb on the pulse with the young folks so anyway thanks a lot i thought yeah. that was
0: great cool thanks chris look
1: you better get up there before you panic those pins are loose you're very good I have really enjoyed climbing with you.
0: I don't think so, but we shall continue with style.